Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter in the Carrie studio. I'm here with special guest, Blake Kellinger. Hi, Matthew. It's great to be here, and uh, I am very excited to talk about talk about movies with you today. So, so yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, and on the subject of movies, we're going to be talking about two films today that are playing at Film Scene at the Chauncey in downtown Iowa City. The first being Knock at the Cabin, as well as Women Talking. And we're going to begin this conversation with Knock at the Cabin, which is the latest film from acclaimed writer-director M. Night Shyamalan, who is no stranger to anyone who knows movies, director of films like The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Split, The Happening, The Last Airbender, etc. And it's based on a novel, The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay, and the film stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amukabird, Kristen Pugh, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint. And the plot of Knock at the Cabin from IMDb, it's about a girl and her parents who are taken hostage by these armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Yes, you heard right, the apocalypse. Classic M. Night um, absurdity, but it, this, is a, this is an interesting one. So what did you think? To be uh, completely honest with you, this is this has to be one of Shyamalan's better works. Like I think um, with his his last recent movie, Old, which I thought was decent, I didn't really care for it too much. I thought it was very fascinating. This film, however, the tension throughout the whole film, like I was white knuckled. I was had to exhale a few times. I've never felt this much tension in a Shyamalan movie in a long time. It, even then, it, it's very interesting because this is the second R-rated film from Shyamalan. Yeah. And the first one was The Happening, which I watch here and there, and it's so funny to, like, it's definitely a so bad it's good movie. But with this film, uh, even though it's less gory than The Happening, it's definitely very haunting. It's very disturbing when you watch it because there's a lot to this film like it's the acting is really well done the writing because there's actually three writers in this movie not just Shyamalan because this is actually based on an uh, original draft and then Shyamalan uh, he said that he rewrote some of the lines and he said this is like the best script he's, he's ever wrote and I think this is such a fascinating film and it you were thrown in right away into the plot and through there, like the tensions, the the environment, really the camera work too. I mean, I think this is like one of the best looking Shyamalan movies out there. And I think Shyamalan plays around with the camera so much. And seeing that, it's just, it was so moving. And I absolutely really loved uh, everything. Dave Bautista, okay. What yeah, he's think? good. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I think he was such a great actor. He's definitely the best wrestler turned actor in a like i've ever seen like dwayne johnson i love the rock but he's kind of the same plays the same role yeah same same role in all movies johnson has gained there he is coming around but dave batista ever since blade runner 2049 this man had potential and here he really shined i loved him as leonard he is so scary yet there's something about his character i think the characterization is very interesting it's like there's no character that felt out of place a lot of these characters are smart too and i think that's something that i was not expecting and i was like man these characters are really well done even the little girl 
had some great moments too. I loved her in this movie. She was really funny. She made some, the first opening lines, I was like, okay, I'm in, I like this. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just think this is such a well-paced, it's actually very well-paced too. From Yeah, it's not, it's not super long. No. Compared to some other Shyamalan films. No, it's an hour 50 minutes long. Um, it's very, very well, yeah, like I mentioned, it's very well-paced. Um, there's not too much, uh, there's, it's a very, it's only one location for the most majority of the movie, but they play around with the environment very well. And I think, honestly, there was not a moment where I felt bored. I felt like the tensions were so high and I was never, I was never checking my, t checking my watch or anything like that. I think this is such a well-crafted Shyamalan film. And yes, there are some dialogue in this movie that I'm like, okay, this is definitely Shyamalan right here. But most of it's actually really well done. Like, what do you think of the uh, characters though? Like, cause I'm curious of how you feel. Yeah, so uh, b before I get into the characters, I just wanna give a brief overview on my thoughts of M. Night Shyamalan. This isn't the first Shyamalan film we've talked about on Bijou Banter. We talked about old when it first came out and old, you've seen old, right? Yeah. It's not good. It's, yeah, it's very, it, very, surprisingly incompetent film. I think that's one way to describe it, but it's funny though. With Knock at the Cabin, I was surprisingly interested because this is the first time he's done like a novel to film adaptation. It was based on a graphic novel. Oh yeah. And it seemed like with the trailer, there was a genuine attempt at trying to make it mysterious and thrilling. And so my general thoughts on this film, I think it's okay. I don't think it's, I, it's definitely not a bad movie. I want to preface that. It's not a bad movie, but it's also not a great movie. The, there are really good things in it, like you said. The, I think the characters are surprisingly very well crafted, and also my biggest surprise: the acting is not that bad. Not every performance is great. Like I, I think um, Ben Aldridge, who plays one of the fathers of um, of the girl, he's he's hit or, he's hit and miss. But Dave Bautista is very good. Um, Rupert Grin at times is, can be very good. So it has it has a very good. Um, ensemble cast and I think Shyamalan knows the strengths of these actors and I think he's gotten better with directing them especially after The Happening which yeah. takes amazing actors and makes them look like amateurs and it's really sad to see my biggest problem with this movie is the fact that when it's thrilling it's really really good but it doesn't sustain that throughout the entire film especially once we get to the middle of the movie the second act I think is where it really just kind of loses me and it gets kind of boring like, especially when it's in the house. I like how it's told pretty much in one location. However, it, get, it gets very repetitive very quickly. And I thought, too, because this is rated R, this is Shyamalan's second R-rated film, I thought it was going to be a bit more gory and intense and brutal. And it really wasn't, unfortunately. It was, it was a pretty light R. I think, surprisingly, Old might have been a bit more violent, and that was a PG-13 film because there's, like, the part with, like, the mom gave a stomach tumor out. Yeah. Which is pretty that was, gruesome. That was gruesome. Yeah. When I saw, it the, when I saw that on um, streaming, I was like, wow, that's... I cannot believe they put that in a PG-13 movie. Yeah, and with this film, like, having the, I guess, the structure of, say, a home invasion horror film, similar to, like, uh, Michael Haneke's Funny Games, I thought they were really going to go in on, like, the like the the blood i guess or i want to say the murders necessarily because that's not really how it is it's hard to describe the kills but with that sort of sadistic nature i thought they were going to really show some gruesome stuff and they had great opportunities too especially because it's R. 
but they didn't. So there's like there was some restraint, which was disappointing because if you have the R rating, why not why not go and just shoot for the fences almost or shoot for the moon? Yeah. So, but overall, it's like this is this is probably a top three Shyamalan film for me, even though I wouldn't call it a great one, which it kind of makes me sad because if Shyamalan has proven himself to make good films, but he just hasn't done so in such a long time, probably in, in almost 20 years at this point. So it, it's sad to see, but I think this is a step in the right direction. I think Shyamalan should do more adaptations of works because it shows that if he has a structure and characters that are well devised and not just like crazy scenarios that he thinks in his head, then he can play around with, with it and make something new. And that's clearly what he did with this. Yeah, I think what's very interesting is that, yes, this is based on an adaptation. I think what's more fascinating is that this is the first Shyamalan movie in a while where he didn't self-finance the movie. Ever since The Visit, um, he's been self-financing um, mm-hmm. all of his movies, such as The Visit, Split, uh, Glass, Glass, Old. And that's something I really respect Shyamalan. Shyamalan is that type of guy where even when he falls down, he never like gives up. He never like loses his determination, his passion for filmmaking. And even when he was trying to find another film to make, no studio really wanted to finance. Because after, after the movie After Earth, which was a huge box office yeah. disappointment, and just like not really a, an amazing movie, um, a lot of studios were like, yeah, no, we don't want you. We'd like, we clearly, you're gonna make us lose money. And so Universal's like, okay, yeah, you can make a movie, but you have to find a way to finance it. And he did, he's, he, I think he sold his mortgage, his, his house mortgage or something I, like that. I read that, yeah, yeah, he mortgaged his house. Yeah, he did that, which was shocking. I'm like, wow, that's some, that's bold. Yeah, he like, I, I, I like to quote, make fun of Shyamalan a, a lot of times, but, Deep Dance, I was like, I don't, I don't hate the guy personally because he's clearly a very passionate filmmaker. If he didn't have that passion, he wouldn't have like made all these movies or made something so like bold. It's just a shame that for some reason, it's just like when he makes these movies, it's like he kind of forgets how to make a movie, unfortunately. <laughs> and with Knock at the Cabin, it's not, it's probably the least like that, at least in his recent filmography. Yeah. Because in the 2010s, oh my goodness, it was like some of the worst combined with some of the best. And now he's like kind of back on it, so. Yeah, you know it's funny, because I actually just talked to uh, some of my roommates and my girlfriend about this, and we were talking about how The Last Airbender movie. Oh, it's was, movie. It was, wow. Like, and we love The Last Airbender as a TV show, but the movie <laughs> itself, whew, wow. See, I've never, I've never watched the show, but even as a movie, taking out the show like from it it's still just a horrible movie oh it's it's such a horrible bad writing bad characters it's interesting too because like i think with shaman i think his the movie that really like sold me is like okay he's coming back was split like for me i think split was the step in the right direction the visit was a step in the right direction but i think split was when he really struck because i love split I thought something about that movie was so interesting to me. And I love, like, Jane McAvoy in that movie was wow. And I think you mentioned earlier how M.I. Shyamalan finds ways to use the actor's strengths in, uh, for the advantage of the movie. And it really shows with Dave Bautista. Because mm-hmm. his acting in this movie was so great. Even with some of the lines are a little stiff, he makes it work. And I think that's something that surprised me because... 
a lot of these actors um, were amazing. Seeing Ron Weasley uh, Ron, <laughs> like back on, on the screen because I haven't seen this guy in a it's while. Been a, it's been a while. It's been a while. So I was very happy to see him um, act again. And really, there's not I, to me at least. There's not an actor where I felt like was off, like off at all. Like Je- Jonathan Joff, I think. Jonathan Groff. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. He broke my heart. He, he, he was, was he was good. He like, was good. To me, the only the only two that I could think of that where the performances were inconsistent was probably Ben Aldridge. And I looked I looked him up. Brent, ben Aldridge is a British actor, so he uh, had yeah. it, and it was kind of obvious because there were times where his accent was really inconsistent. And also, I thought um, uh, Abby Quinn, who played um, Adrian, I thought she was kind of hit or miss. Yeah, her, her performance, like, it, it's interesting because, like, with these characters, they're they're all. I don't think disturbed is the proper word, but it's clear that they're under like this incredible amount of like stress. Like, there's a crisis going on because yeah. they're trying to prevent the apocalypse, and like, there's this unbelievable sense of urgency. And she does capture that. Yeah, like. I see what she's trying to do, or at least what Shaman was trying to get out of her, but it comes off, it doesn't come off as very convincing. It comes off as more cartoonish. Whereas everyone else, yeah. seen, like Dave Batista has played really just like down to earth. Oh, he's, yeah. just, he's just basically a normal dude in this movie, which is refreshing because he's obviously like a bigger, bulkier guy, <laughs> but he does, he does definitely seem like he has a heart in this movie. Oh yeah, I, I loved his character really. Like he was that type of character where he was, uh, quote unquote the antagonist but yet there's so much layers to his character where you're like oh I actually liked him I really like him yes he's doing something that's kind of bad it's kind of horrible but you know he kind of he gives his reason he explains himself you he like you said he's a normal guy and honestly everyone like the four strangers they're normal and I think what they do with their characters is very interesting and uh, something I wanted to mention too, with the whole R rating, like where yes, they didn't. It was a very light R. I will say this. I honestly wasn't too bothered to, that they didn't show much blood. I mean, yes, there were some times I was like, "Wow, they really are restricting on the violence." But at the same time, I wasn't bothered by that. I was so caught up in the tension itself and really the music. I think this is a great, uh, great soundtrack. I think this is a, the music in this is so bold, so intense. And I think that's also what served the intensity of the film. And yes, you do, do see some blood here and there. It's not as you know gruesome, like I mentioned before, like the happening where it was like, arms are flying off and um, everyone's face is getting ripped off, uh, ripped apart. But no, like in this film, they kept it restricted, but I think it kept the imagination flowing. It's like, oh, what are they seeing? Like, I think it's, it's a very interesting choice that Shyamalan restricted himself. And I, I wasn't really bothered by that, to be honest. I think, in a way, it created more tension. Because sometimes, if you show so much blood and gore in a film, sometimes it might take away the factor or like the ideas of what you're trying to go for the film. Like, say, oh, look at all this blood and gore, it's like, yeah, that's good and all, but, you know, whatever. But even that, even though it's rated R, which that was still a shock to me, I'm glad they kind of restricted that. I think it built more tension. And I think then, then I had no idea what they're going to show. Cause there was a, there was one moment 
with one of the deaths that they showed a little bit more. I'm like, wow, okay, here we go. Because I was so used for them to pan away or anything like that. So it was, I think Shyamalan knew what he was doing. And I think he was really playing around with how everything was like being shown. And his camera work too um, was fascinating. I think you could tell this is definitely a very unconventional way of filmmaking, just a little bit, because the way he angled his shots, a lot of close-ups. Uh, like in the very beginning, uh, I was very like, whoa, this is a very, very personal close-up. But I really admired uh, Shyamalan just going bold with his filmmaking. And I think it really shows, because he's not just doing, oh wait, here's a shot, here's this, here's that. He always plays around with the camera, even the focus too. Have you noticed that throughout yeah. the film, the focus yeah. keeps going in and out? And I think that really built that tension. I absolutely admired that. I think that was just such a bold choice for Shyamalan to do. And I really like that. I, I honestly really think Shyamalan had more to do in this film. And honestly, it's not my favorite Shyamalan film. I think personally, it's unbreakable. Like Sixth Sense is amazing, don't get me wrong, but Unbreakable is my personal favorite. But with Knock of the Cabin, this is definitely the stuff in the, like, I really hope he starts adapting more, more, um, adapting um, more from like novels or anything or other material because you can tell he has a lot of passion, wants to respect that. So that's something I really respect about Shyamalan. We're going to transition to a quick PSA. We'll be right back with more Bijou Banter. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We are continuing our conversation of Knock at the Cabin. And with the film cinematography, I'm glad that this was much better shot than Old was because Old had a very... I see I see what he was trying to do, but it was just really poorly shot. Yeah. This, this film, because it's so self-contained in the cabin, or at least in the surrounding areas, it has this very claustrophobic, in, like almost intimate like look to it. Like, and there's some, with like its use of close-ups, I, I find some of them just like very in intentional, but also kind of odd, especially because the close-up happens so early in the film, where it's just like on their eyes or like their mouth at like a Dutch angle and they're not even like, like center frame, just like, what a bizarre choice. And like, I'm sure it's not like sloppy framing. I'm sure that there's definitely a reason for it, but it, it sticks out even more just because it's so early in the film. But fortunately after that, it is, there's some really interesting angles and there's um, some interesting uh, choices for like shot composition. But yeah, and going back to the violence too, I think, I, I see what you're saying about how it doesn't show a whole lot because of that. And it only leads to more of the suspense. But it's interesting how this film on the MPA rating, one of the reasons for it being rated R was for violence, which I don't know why that alone necessitated an R rating because, like, yeah, it's violent, but it's not any as more more violent as you would find in a PG thirteen film, yeah. for example. So it, it it's not I'm not I'm not docking points against it just for that, but I just no. if anything I'm more confused why it was mentioned because yeah. for the the language that's pretty obvious why, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I think that's also another reason why it's rated R. So I think Shyamalan just wanted to like use the screenplay and of course I think if he had more control over it or or he wanted to make it his own way I think this movie would have easily been PG-13 um, <laughs> easily but uh, with the R rating you know what I'm, I wasn't bothered by the whole violence uh, the language uh, in the film like 
it felt natural, like when them swearing, like like when they dropped a couple f bombs or a couple s words, all that stuff. It's like, yeah, that's believable. I would bet I've been freaking out this uh, this way. But one thing I want to like like turn the conversation to is, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like the protagonists are, for the most part, for the most part, are kind of smart. They actually like, especially the little girl. The little girl. Um, she has some great moments where she's like, okay, I have to do this. Like, like she like found a way to talk to her dad and like how to escape. And honestly, I was sitting there like, wow, she's not irritating me. Like, I was afraid because there are some kids in other thrillers or horror. Yeah, it gets really irritating. Yes, I. She's not. She's not like that. No, not at all. And I think she has some great lines in here too. She's a. She's actually one of my favorite characters. To be completely honest with you, um, I can't. There's some sorry, but there's some moments I feel like where you just kind of forget that she's even there at points. Yeah, because she they. She's definitely she's one of the first she's basically the first character we see in the film and you think they were they would do a bit more with her I think that's also too this movie has let's say uh, seven characters I think and they yeah. all get give pretty equal screen time it's hard to pinpoint okay who exactly is like the protagonist because if anything they're all like kind of equal like Dave Batista and like the other three are built up as villains but they're not really villains no, no. there's no antagonist or bad guy. So it's hard to identify with like who should who do I put my sh- myself into their shoes, pretty much. Yeah. That and that's that was also kind of my problem with just the who do I who am I supposed to identify with fully as an audience member? And I will I am happy to say that at least in terms of horror tropes, it's like any and all instances where I feel like I would be annoyed by tropes, they give a reason for it. like you think like okay if they're trapped like why don't they just up and leave pretty much yeah and but they at least give reasons for it's like okay they're like trapped in chairs or like they have to make they have to go forward with like this decision to prevent the the world's end pretty much yeah and so it, do, it does seem like he was a bit one step ahead when writing the script which i appreciate but i think too what kind of boils down to my sort of average thoughts is that other than the whole thesis of this film being about like the end of the world and also just being in a a unit of a family other than that it just it doesn't for me at least it didn't really stick with me i just when i think back to it there's not really any standout memorable sequences in the movie other than what i remember in the trailer because the trailer is like the first trailer at least is pretty good oh yeah that i remember more about probably just because i've seen it more but as a movie i can't remember like specific moments and as funny as this as this to say even though this is not even close to being Shyamalan's worst. I remember more things from his bad film just because it's so like crazy and weird. Oh yeah. So a part of me was hoping that this would either be like amazing, like The Sixth Sense, or so bad it's good, like old. Because old, I've seen once. I remember so much about that movie. Oh. So much. With Knock at the Cabin, it's like I, I saw it yesterday, and it's sort of it's like yeah, I remember bits and pieces, but do I remember certain scenes? Do I remember certain lines of dialogue? And it's like. I don't think it has that the same lasting impact on like other Shyamalan films. Yeah, I mean the one line I do remember was when the little girl said uh, her favorite movie is Kiki's Delivery <laughs> yeah. Service. Like, I was like, I respect that. I respect that. But uh, another thing too, I also want to mention is the social bubble. Uh, what I mean is that 
the characters, the, the protagonists are trying to under, trying to see if they're tell, if the strangers are telling the truth yeah. or lying about the apocalypse. And I think it was so fascinating because there's times where I'm like, oh, I believe the strangers. But then there's times where I'm like, actually, I don't believe the strangers. And then I was on um, the uh, protagonist side and it's like that tension. And it's so interesting because it makes you guess. It's not as full of twists and turns like other Shyamalan's work. I will admit that. But yeah. I will say it did, make, did have me guessing. It's like, should I believe it? Should I not believe it i think they really built that and i mentioned earlier the tension the tension is built based around like are they telling the truth is this all circumstantial right are they just like just going crazy or is this a cult i think it's just such a well-built uh concept and for being like self-contained thriller i think it's really well done the only thing that for me kind of fizzled uh by the end was the ending I'm not gonna go into spoilers, of course, but I kind of, while it was a good ending, I felt like I was a little underwhelmed. I, I felt like there should have been more. I, I, I kind of agree. And I think I, I give this some, I've given this some thought, I'm not gonna go into spoilers, but unlike a lot of other M. Night movies, Knock at the Cabin is probably one of his most literal and not nearly as ambiguous, I feel yes. like. And I think that's kind of a problem because if this were to be super ambiguous, then it would just be like, then you would really be thinking about it. But there's some moments, especially in the dialogue, where they spell out the themes and yeah. metaphors and it's like, okay, well, what reason do I have to go back to rewatching this to yeah. like find all this stuff? Because The Sixth Sense, for example, everyone knows the ending of The Sixth Sense at this point. Oh, yeah. You don't, but you probably wouldn't know that on a first watch. So it's just like, oh, shoot, I got to go back and rewatch this. Cause they, and when you do, if you would like to, the whole movie is basically different. And oh, that's, yeah. that's what's so awesome about The Sixth Sense. So... If not Get the Cabin was like that, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more in that regard. I wouldn't have been so lukewarm about it. Because once you were, once you spell out everything to the audience, it's like, okay, it's just yeah. like, it's it's cool in the moment, but that's like, what's the lasting impact then? Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you there. Because for me, I, I will say the rewatchability sense, I'm not as so eager to rewatch this movie i'll be like i'll watch it when it comes on dvd or anything like that um i think it's a really like like you mentioned before the sixth sense is a great i i also really love watching unbreakable from time to time it's been a while since i've seen that oh one of my favorites honestly and i and you know what i'm gonna say it. i love science i think yeah. <laughs> science with mel gibson it's a classic it's so entertaining i actually watched um the village uh, a couple of years back and I remember I actually really liked the movie and I think it's interesting because a lot of people didn't like The Village personally I've heard, I've heard of the twist I haven't seen The Village yes I know the twist to it I liked it I mean granted I did expect the twist but there were some other things that I was like oh okay I didn't expect that and I think the rewatchability was there I will say this is definitely Shyamalan's least rewatchable films like not saying it's bad it's not like last just, airbender or after earth well bad. even like last airbender and after earth like yeah those are horrible movies but they're at least like if you watch it with the context of like it being a comedy then yeah. there's rewatch value because it becomes oh, yeah. like the room where you just you want to get friends together and rewatch yes. it over and over just to make fun of it oh yeah whereas on but then you have like like so the sixth sense and unbreakable where it's like oh it's actually compelling i want to go back and like find all the hidden details it seems like with knock of the cabinet it's by far his most 
straightforward horror twist-esque narrative yeah so definitely and i think what also kind of um contributed to that was that this is also written by two other people and yeah. this is like and it's based on a novel it well. is yeah so it makes sense as to why Shyamalan didn't add too much to it but something that when you said that it's not as ambiguous I felt like I had more questions rather than answers to the movie. Like, granted, it was very straightforward, but I felt like there was a couple things that kind of made me like think, like, wait a minute, I have some questions that I kind of conjured up. And But it didn't bother me too much to be like, oh, I, I hate this movie. Like, what is this? Yeah, like, 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 I had those questions too, but then in the last third, it just, everything's answered for you. Yeah. Like, literally everything to the point where it's like, okay, well, like... Thanks. I, I, I would. I would be nice if I could figure some stuff out on yeah. my own, or like read theories on like the internet and stuff. I so. kind of. I kind of miss when Shyamalan instead of spelling things out for us, he shows us. Oh, like, I agree. Images. Like Sixth Sense is a, the most pop, the, the biggest one. I'm like, okay, that's that was brilliant. I'm glad. Like, I miss. I miss that side of Shyamalan. Like, like other movies, like Unbreakable, when they um, when they showed the twist or um, Village. Like, they showed, they had to explain it, which I wasn't bothered by that, because based on the concept itself, it makes sense as to why that was explained. Um, but with that, with the twist in the, in the movie, yeah, it definitely didn't stick with me as much as I was really hoping for. But then again, I think, I didn't really think much about it, because I think I was so enthralled with the tension, with the acting, um, with the visuals, I will say there were some times when the movie used CGI. I'm like, oh, that is CGI. Oh, there's some really bad CGI. There is C. That is CGI. Like, wow. But then again, I will give the movie credit because this is filmed on a twenty million dollar budget. So I will say the scope of it was interesting. And yes, there's a lot of news reports in the movie, but I was bothered by that. I That's actually, funny. I actually thought they like there's movies that have used really like used news reports poorly like monologues all that but in this film for this case they did it really well they i think that's i think that was surprisingly i was watching the tv on the screen and I'm, i was not bothered i was actually very interested there was actually a moment where uh dave patiza's arm like comes on the screen and i was kind of startled i didn't because i was so enthralled by the tv yeah. on the screen i was like oh wow i forgot we're actually like of watching a TV on the screen, not an actual TV. Like I, I found it enthralling. I, I was very into the movie. I think, I mean, honestly, I to me at least, I thought it was very well paced. Even because in the movie there are flashbacks. They insert flashbacks and showing the family's past. And at first, it was a little jarring. It did take me a minute to like get back into it, but I started appreciating that because after the very intense moments. And giving us like something sweet or something like to like showing the past of this couple i think it was really well done i i was like okay this is, this is a good breather so i did appreciate the fact that they they wasted no time they chose the conflict then did the flashbacks in order to like help steady the tension and i really appreciated that i think there was not a moment where i felt like okay this is too much i don't like it like i'm out uh, I definitely want to see what Shyamalan does with other works. I really hope he makes more movies like this. I, I personally liked it a lot. Uh, I definitely see your point, though. Like, yeah. You're no, not, I, not a big fan of it, but I thought it was actually not bad, though. Yeah, you know, I, see, I see why 
why a lot, it seems like a lot of people are enjoying this based on just reviews that mm. I've read. Um, I don't know if you do ratings, but if you were to rate it on a scale like one to ten, yeah. what would you rate it? I personally would give it a seven out of ten. I okay. think I definitely um, a little higher, uh, but I think think about it ever since last night. Um, I just really like the movie. I mean, granted, it has issues, of course, but I think it was a very solid Shaman film compared to his other works. And you know what? If like if this is what Shaman is going to be doing, like he's breaking his mold. And you know what? I really love seeing that. I can't wait to see what he does more in the future. So yeah, what about you? Yeah, so I, I'm still pretty lukewarm at it. Like, there's some stuff where I. I was like, this is some of Shyamalan's best work in yeah. very, a very long time, but also there's some where it's like, okay, we're falling back on the traditional Shyamalan tropes yeah. of like, some of the dialogue is just really silly and just some of the, when it builds up the apocalypse, it just, like, I was kind of snickered, just like, oh my gosh, this is so goofy. Yeah. Thankfully, it doesn't go down the route of like, Lady in the Water, where it just becomes so absurd and crazy, oh, where it's just yeah. like, dude, how'd you even come up with this? <laughs> it manages to, like, have some restraint, which I, re yeah. I really appreciate. And it shows that Shyamalan is capable of still making good films. He just needs the right script. And I think this is the step in a right in the right direction. Yes. So hopefully he can make more stuff like this. I just wish the movie just had a bit more um had a bit more oomph to it, I guess. Yeah, I and, agree. Yeah. And also just a bit more resonance too. Because overall I just it just kinda left me a little bored in the end. So I would give this a five out of ten. It's definitely on the higher end, though, so it's probably close to like a six. So yeah. it's a it's average, but it's not horrible. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, no, I I won't complain. I, I won't. I'm not gonna argue that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. I think it's good. I I definitely see your point, so, but. You know what, I think just because if it wasn't for the acting and the attention, I think I would definitely give this a Luke 5. But with that, it definitely bumped it up. All right, so we are going to continue to another film called Women Talking. And Women Talking is written and directed by Sarah Polly, and it's based on the novel of the same name by Miriam Tews. And it stars Rudy Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivey, Ben Wishon, Francis McDormand, who is also a producer on this film. And it follows a group of women in a Mennonite community in the year 2010 as they grapple with um, reconciling a brutal reality with their faith, specifically with um, assaults, pretty much. And it's going to be a pretty heavy conversation. The last part was from IMDb. This was recently nominated for Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay at the 95th Academy Awards. And yeah, it's a, this is a very moving and personal film. So yeah. what did you think? So personally, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, Movies like this, uh, I get a little worried because I was, I'm was i always afraid if a movie gets a little too preachy about certain topics. And I, I want a really good story, really good dialogue, good characters. And I, I think these things are very important to talk about. I just, lately, uh, recently with like Marvel or other like media that has become very preachy with some of these like topics that I'm like, Okay, hang on. Let's just take a second. Like, I think it's getting a little bit much. But with with the idea of like women talking, I I really liked it a lot when I came out when I walked out of it. But as I gave it more thought, I honestly started to love it. I think this movie is so beautiful. The I the way they handle the film and this movie remind me of Twelve Angry Men where oh, yeah. a good like 75-80% of the movie 
is nothing but talking. Talking about the vicious attacks that has happened to them. And and that, that was something, because I, I didn't really know much coming into this movie. So I was like, okay, so it seems like it's going to be a, a whole conversation. But the conversation itself is so, like, so like enthralling. Right? Yeah. I was I was never bored. There was and even even the conversation alone was great. But the movie didn't doesn't stop there. They throw in some jump jump cuts. They throw in some shots and angles. They actually did some great things with reactions. Um, there is some great conversation. Like the conversation between these women. Like there's three different sides going on. Like one who like stand to fight or one to leave or one to like act like nothing happened and really each reasoning you understand why they are saying what they're saying why they believe that this is the right decision like and they all balance each other out it never got like too much on one side or too much on the other side or like or anything it's all equally balanced and that's something that i really appreciated because then when I thought about this movie more, I kept going back to 12 Angry Men because there's so much happening in that film. I was like, wait, what if, did you, have you ever thought about this? Have you thought about that? And that's what the movie did. There was some, now there are some things that I thought about like, yeah, no, like, you guys are so angry or you guys didn't really think about this. But then there's moments of where the characters brought up, brought up something else. I'm like, oh, I, didn't, I personally didn't think about that. That actually was kind of shocking. So there was actually some very, a lot of surprises in this movie with its conversation. And I think it was really well handled. And uh, you said this, this takes place, this uh, time period takes place in 2010? Yeah, so really? it, take, it takes place in 2010. At least that, that's what it says on the, um, like on the descriptions online. Oh. And also, like, there's a scene in the movie when like the, the truck comes in and it's like, um, they're like, please come outside for the 2010 census or something like that. Really? So I okay, I totally missed. It. I thought that this was like the 50s or 60s or something <laughs> like that. Wow, I'm terrible. Wow, okay. But um, no, I think that was it, it. Was just such an enthralling experience. I loved all the actors, like Rooney Mara, Francis McDormand, um, everyone. This is a beautiful, like, really well directed too. Yeah. Like Sarah Polly, I. I really wish she get best director. Like she deserved no, it. Like I'm, another major snub. A major year. snub. Like listen, nothing nothing against the other directors, but Sarah Pauly, the way she handled the cam like the camera work, the editing, like the choices she made, I'm like, dude, why hasn't she got why was she snubbed this poorly? Like this made me so sad. Like <laughs> watching the film, I'm like, man, it's there. It's there, but yeah, no, so overall, I think this is such a very well-made movie, and honestly, I'm so happy that it's run, has two Oscar nominations. I really hope it gets the Best Adapted Screenplay. I think it, it, it really probably will, it. Yeah, it be probably honest. Will. Oh, yeah, like, I can't remember the other nominations. What were the other nominations for that? Uh, Glass Onion was nominated, but it doesn't oh, have really? a chance. <laughs> no, no, like, nothing against Glass Onion. I think it was a good movie, but I really hope... Uh, woman talking gets it so yeah. so yeah we're, how about you though so, I yeah I really really liked it and it's this is a very it's clear that this movie in terms of its subject matter there is an unbelievable amount of 
harsh realities that are being explored here. And the way Women Talking handles it, it doesn't, it not only feels genuine, but it also doesn't, it doesn't like go down the route of it being preachy, but also regardless of like where, like who, what your identity is, it's identifiable. And I think that's what's really, really important about this movie is just kind of what you're saying, the conversations that these women have, it's like, there's this sense of just not only urgency, but also some debate too, like what is the right answer? How is this going to affect us long-term if we either do nothing or if we just leave? And it's like, these are questions that are being raised that can literally change the course of their entire life and also their entire faith too. And it's heartbreaking to see that just because of the actions that they have to endure pretty much. And especially because um, in, in an age of like post Me Too, of like this behavior and this, this happening is just, it's horrible. Oh, and yeah. and to, to witness that, and I think what's also powerful about this movie too, is the fact that you don't really see a lot of the actions. Like you see brief glimpses of it, or especially like the aftermath of some of them, but it's all in the conversations that they have. And you, you sense it's like, this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not even the second time it's happened. It's multiple times. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And just the fact that you can even see it in all the, their, the act, actress's eyes too, just what they have, what they have experienced. And it just shows how much control Sarah Polly had over the entire production, even just in the way it shot. A lot of people were, um, were memeing on this movie on Twitter that the movie looks ugly because it has a very gray color palette, which I was yeah. concerned about when I saw the trailers, but you adjust to it really quickly. And also thematically just shows that like, even like the, in this Mennonite community, it's like in the middle of like this really, it seems like a very tranquil feel, but it's like, oh, yeah. even with all the sunlight and color and like greenery, they just see gray and just like <laughs> that real, it just, it, it hits really hard. And like every, every performer is fantastic in this movie. This. It's comprised of some some very talented actresses, um, particularly Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley give, yeah. in my opinion, the strongest performances in the film. And even Ben Wishaw, who's the only dom- dominant male character in this movie, yeah. to show a sense of sympathy and also just shows that like, yeah, there are there are the world is a scary place, but there's also someone to turn to, regardless who understands what you're going through. That's what's really important. And above all, it's just like it has a great presentation. Like we talked about the cinematography, but the music was done by, um, I probably am mispronounced as Hildur Guan, Guana Todir, who wrote the score for Joker and also yes. did the score for Tar, who's a very, very talented composer. And this is some of her best work too. So it's a shame that I'm glad this movie got a best picture nomination as well as a screenplay. It should have gotten more. This easily could have gotten director. Yes supporting actor, supporting actor, original score, and so on. But we're gonna transition to a quick grand spot and be right back with more Bijou Banter. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We are continuing our conversation on women talking. And I like the comparison that you made to um, 12 Angry Men, just because this feels very similar. Most of the movie is just dialogue in this one barn. This is also one that could be considered like a one location film. And similar to how that movie dealt with subject matter that was almost like literally a life or death scenario, especially for the jur- the juries in that film. Same thing here with like that urgency and, and it just being life-changing and how it affects them, but also their children too. Cause a lot of these women have our, mo- our mothers, like they have like, they have to protect their kids too. And just do we, do we leave the faith 
or do we just endure it or do we fight back too? No, um, I, I'm something you mentioned earlier about the gray palette. All right, when I saw the trailer, I'm gonna be completely honest, the trailer did not sell me. Oh, did it? It surprisingly didn't. Like, I was watching the trailer, I'm like, okay, all right, that's, looks, looks good. I mean, I, it just personally for me, I wasn't as sold, which is really weird. Like, I don't know why it wasn't so. Then again, it had a tough marketing. So when you watch the movie, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But when I was watching the movie, the gray palette, I actually love the gray palette choice. And just. You get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. But it makes sense for the subject matter. You can't just have flowers and rainbows and talking about vicious attacks like during it. Then it becomes a contrast. And then it's like, oh. I don't know what to feel right now. I actually think they did a great job and the camera work is great. And honestly, with the themes and just the messages alone, it's so heartbreaking and it's haunting too. Like some of the things that these women talk about or the things they deal with and just like one character has a baby from one of her attackers mm -hmm. and just that alone is just so haunting and they're like why do you love this kid she's like well i do and i'm like dang this is this is deep this is like haunting and it broke my heart because we live we sadly live in a generation where women have to deal with this and they there's it just just terrible but what i also really appreciate too is that it wasn't a message of just like hate all men because like yeah, Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no go right ahead. Yeah, no, because I was gonna say like with like Ben with with Shaw's character, like he's like one of the only men that the woman really like, uh, like accepts. Like because mm -hmm. he they loved loved his mother. His mother was a huge uh, attribution, and he, he him as a character was really great, and he really provided so much. And one of the characters, of course, had like some issues with him and like say oh what what your opinion doesn't matter all that and they're like stop like he's actually very useful for us like because in the movie the woman don't really someone don't really know how to uh read or read or write yeah, right. so he's the one because he graduated from college so he's he's the one that you know helps them out and takes tallies like mm -hmm. does the the minutes the minutes yeah which i thought was great i thought it was a great uh, segment but he was a great character he actually had a lot to him and you know what it kind of reminded me of a theater act like I feel like, like this, a one act play yeah one act play because I feel like this could easily be shown in a actual theater and I really like that I think this with this material it could easily be translated to a theater because mm -hmm. the the dialogue is great the messages are great and for for a movie that's been put into theaters I think this movie definitely deserves the theatrical experience I I'd have to agree, yeah. Yeah, because that moment where, like, I was saying this, I was afraid, like, maybe this might be one of those movies where it's like, oh, it'll just go on streamer or whatever. But for a theater experience, it creates this haunting sense that I was like, wow, this is amazing. And honestly, the theater that I was in, so many people of, like, diff like different ages are, like, supporting this film. And yeah. it's such a powerful film. And just the the way it handled its themes and just dealing with this subject matter, it's like this is what I want. This is like this. I believe I believe Mia should like take notes on a movie like Woman Talking. It's like this is how you deal with the theme. 
this is how you need give us good characters and store a great story but also like support the, its theme and like show like its meaning and i'm so glad it's not hateful in a sense it it's a critique of humanity but also an appreciation in a sense and especially when they talk about their young sons and i was like wow this is like this is so moving and i really it really opened my eyes on so much of the world itself and i think this is such a like i said a very beautiful movie the final shot of the movie gave me chills i had straight up chills (laughs) down my spine. I thought it was actually a really great movie. It, it manages to be incredibly empathetic, but not in just... Because the characters have very different um, viewpoints of how they want to address these issues. Like, there's... Um, Claire Foy is definitely the most, I guess, hateful yes. out of all of them. Pretty much just wants to enact revenge in, like, in like violent ways, whereas some of them are like, no, we should do this a bit more... Um, like peaceful pretty much like address the issue not just simply do nothing but be calm be like like you know pretty much be calm about the whole thing and regardless of like how you how you stand or like what would you do if you were in this situation that sense of empathy is carried throughout every single character even the ones that don't really that are probably a bit more stoic or if they're just like more loud it's just like you get it you get every single side because the conversation that they have does feel honest because they're in they're in a, this self-contained space where it's like it's a safe space they're words not going to go out we can reveal everything that we truly feel we don't have to sugarcoat it we don't have to hide anything it almost seems like when we watch this it's just like is this something that we should even be like watching because it sounds so personal yeah. and i think that's that's what helps unlike other films that I don't know what a good um, comparison this this film could be because it is definitely kind of in a subgenre of its own. Yes. I, I I'm trying to think of another example. Like potentially, did, did you see the did you see the film she she said? Yes, actually, she, I have seen she said, and I think that movie was pretty good too. That, that was good, but that one's she said is a is a film about the uh, Harvey Weinstein Me Too. Movement that one takes a more journalistic approach that's similar yes. to um, the film Spotlight, where but that one definitely felt obviously talking about very serious and serious issues that have happened in our in the past ten years, but it's handled in a way that just feels more manufactured, honestly, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate. Women talking is the opposite of that, just because if it's raw, honestly, yeah. it's a very raw film and and a mature film as well that doesn't look down on anybody and also doesn't seem like anything they're saying feels like disingenuous too i think that's something that's really important because the book the book is a work of fiction but the characters in the snares were based on real mennonites or like real communities so i think that also helps because it's based on it is based on actual attacks sadly which is all the more heartbreaking so that carries over into just the honesty almost like verite type approach to this film. Yeah, and I think that you brought a great point by she said, because for me, while I thought it was a good movie and a good message, I think it was a little more on the nose. And I think it got a little bit preachy in some segments, but with, like you mentioned, uh, with woman talking, it's raw, it's real, it's authentic. I love, like, it has some meta to it a little bit, because there was a moment where one of the younger daughters like 
all right, can you make a decision already? Yeah. Like, it, it's pretty early on in the movie, too. And I just love, like, because the jokes never feel out of place. When they're laughing about the, like, the situation, like, uh, well, not the situation, but, like, trying to figure out how to solve the situation, what's the best solution, it never feels out of place. I actually really appreciated the levity in this film, and it's so well like well earned mm -hmm. there was not a moment where i felt like it was out of place it's not forced no it's That's not forced at all even okay i'm gonna be completely honest the only thing that i was like okay um not not that i hated it or anything was the romance between ben withshaw and um rudy mara rudy mara like nothing against them i think they are they're cute together they're, mm -hmm. they're they have a great relationship but I didn't, I wasn't as enthralled in it, like the conversations or really anything else in the movie. Like, I think that was the only segment where I'm like, okay, I mean, this is fine. I have no issue with it. I mean, it's, it was important to put in the movie. Yeah. I just, for me, I couldn't connect with it as heavily as I wanted to with the other segments because I thought the conversations and everything was so well done and so well built. So... Yeah, no, I personally really, I, I just was so happy with this film. I, you know what, I'm so glad that I saw this because I think mm -hmm. it definitely deserved the theatrical experience. I really am mad about the Oscars. I think, <laughs> I think they definitely deserve so much more because this is definitely a film that should win, should have gotten more Oscar nominations, oh, for sure. For sure. And I think it's kind of funny because now we're reviewing two movies that are based, that are adapted from a, books. A books. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty good. I think this is a really great, these are great movies. I personally really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I mean, honestly, I think uh, Woman Talking, I definitely want to show more people this movie. Yeah. I think it definitely deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. Um, just to before before I get into my final thoughts, um, what you said about the romance. The romance is is definitely part part of the movie where it's like, okay, this seems a bit more like appealing to the masses. But at the yeah. same time, it does show they don't they don't linger around for too long, which I think is nice. No, but also too, you. it shows that's like even amidst all this hatred and all these like really just horrible acts, there is still someone out there. And given the circumstances, it unfortunately might not come to be. Yeah. with that romance and that's it's touching but also very sad too just because here's someone who ben wishaw clearly cares about Rudy mara yes. and i think and i think um uh same with her to him yeah but just given the circumstances it, it might not come to be and that's really really sad yes. but anyway women talking is a fantastic film a very important film that i think we both highly recommend supporting if you would like to yes um it's a shame that it sort of got snubbed. I'm glad I at least got that Best Picture nomination because Same, it yeah. is very much deserving of a nom. Um, yeah, it has wonderful performances. The script and just the subject matter, the way it's handled, very earnest, the non-preachy, and also just it's moving. It's a moving movie that captures empathy in a way while also raising a lot of serious questions and also reflecting on how that can apply to our current society too so yeah it's a fantastic film i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten i don't know what you would, what I, would you give it i would definitely give this a nine out of ten right. i think it's a great movie and one quick thing before we wrap up the fact that this is uh this got a nomination for best picture along with avatar the way of water <laughs> i'm a little um 
Hmm. I don't know. So yeah, I like I said, nine out of ten. I think this is a great movie. Highly recommend it if anyone's interested in watching it. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned Avatar: The Way of Water because next week on Bijou Banter, we are going to be talking about that as well as Babylon, Damien Chazelle's latest film. Oh, so boy. yeah, until next time, I've been Matthew. Hi, and uh, this has been Blake. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.